Hey everybody, a quick message. Today's episode is brought to you by Book of the Month, a monthly book subscription box that helps readers discover new books from up-and-coming authors. The process of choosing your book is so easy and fun. Besides the website and app being really easy to navigate, the smaller but varied monthly selection, which always includes an anticipated new release, by the way, means I'm not overwhelmed with too many choices and it's truly easy to make a decision. And let's be real, we're all about simplicity right now, aren't we? Oh, Mm -hmm. definitely. (laughs) So you guys, I was thrilled when I saw that this month's selections included a book I have been anticipating for over a year. I chose The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren. It is rom-com at its finest. Think Pretty Woman meets Succession. I chose Spitting Gold by Carmela Locus about two shady spirit mediums in 19th century Paris. I mean, come on. You had me at shady spirit mediums, right? (laughs) This is a brand new hardcover book, and I'm getting it for less than I could get it anywhere else. And great news, you can get your first book for only $5 using the code PEDALS when you order at bookofthemonth.com. That's P-E-T-A-L-S. You guys, we love Book of the Month, and we know you will too. Hey, everybody. Let's pause here for station identification. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Hormone Harmony, a name that has so much more meaning to us now at the perfectly ripe ages of 55, 56, and 58. Longtime listeners know that the three of us are no strangers to hot flashes, night sweats, sleeplessness, and the occasional menopause moment, known more scientifically as menopause-related brain fog. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens that help the body adapt to stressors, including the chaotic hormonal shifts that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony has over 17,000 reviews online, and what you'll see them say over and over again is that they finally feel like themselves again. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code PCPS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use PCPS for 15% off today. Thanks so much to Hormone Harmony and thanks to you for listening today. Remember when your grandma watched the member drive on PBS and joined so she could get that sweet Peter, Paul, and Mary concert on VHS? Now you can do the same thing with the Pop Culture Preservation Society. Each of our episodes is created with the help of listeners like you. And you can become a financial supporter of the PCPS over on Patreon.com to help us pay the bills and keep doing what we love. To show our appreciation, we'll send you welcome gifts and give you access to bonus content, like video recordings of our episodes, after-the-episode discussions, and blooper reels from the cutting room floor. Just go to Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, type Pop Culture Preservation Society into the search bubble, and choose the level of support that feels right for you. And if you're not able to contribute at this time, remember that listening is the most important form of support you could ever give. Thank you. The experience of seeing Star Wars that first time in the theater implanted something in me so that when I see a Star Wars movie today and the yellow words start scrolling on the screen, I start to cry. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love and it's what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. 
Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who know what the best prize is in a box of Cracker Jack. It's the ring. Or the tattoos. It's the tattoos. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we will be saving a phenomenon that was birthed in our generation, almost like a gift to young Gen Xers, the summer blockbuster movie. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Hello world, it's a song that we're singing. Come on, get Okay, you guys, I have to share a little something and kind of debrief myself and you guys about my experience last Friday evening. I went to the movies for the first time in years, you guys, to the movie theater, Mm -hmm. and I saw Top Gun 2, and I bawled. I had no idea what was happening, but I, by the end of the movie... I was almost doing the... (gasps) Like you didn't know why you were crying? That's when you said you didn't know what was happening? The emotion just took over? The emotion took over. It was kind of throughout the whole movie, kind of building up, building up until the end. And it just rushed over me. I mean, I went with Andy and Grace. And Grace is looking at me like, oh, what (laughs) on earth? Like, let's just wait in our seats until everybody's left. (laughs) Because not anyone else seems to be having this reaction. So I've had now almost a week to kind of process. One of the um, things I think that happened, yes, Mm -hmm. is um, that I was manilowed so many times during this movie because they do have these flashbacks in the movie, obviously. So we do go back and see. When Goose died. Oh, Sorry, I that's not a spoiler. If you, yeah, yes, and that then goosebumps in my armpits right now. Goosebumps, haha. Ha. <laughs> 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 I'll have to put in my little, the little drum thing. That's right. And um, of course. No, no spoilers, but I'm sorry. If you really want to see this, I might say a few things, so just skip oh, through the Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Well, <laughs> you kind of know the premise, though, don't you? A little no. bit. Oh. Well, well isn't I... like, is it like a son or something? I don't know. Yes, yes. So <laughs> okay. it's Goose's son, who's named <laughs> Right, Rooster, right, right. I knew that. And he looks okay. a lot like Goose. And his and name so, is Rooster. Signet. Yes. And there are some <laughs> scenes. <laughs> Or is that a swan? I think a swan. I don't even know. That's so funny. Gosling. His name's Gosling. What if it was played by Ryan Gosling? (laughs) Well, he probably doesn't look enough like Anthony Edwards because um, Miles Teller with his little mustache, it's crazy. They do look alike. And so there are some recreated scenes of perhaps we see Miles Teller playing the piano and everyone singing. you know, great balls of fire yeah. now, but it looks a lot like then. And so I'm like manilode because they're kind right. of going yeah. back and forth mm-hmm. between um, the two scenes. So that was, I don't know, that was hitting me hard and kind of the nostalgia of the moment, like all the things from then and the passage of time until mm-hmm. now. And I'm sitting next to my daughter who's going oh, away man. to college in a couple oh, weeks. Goodness. And I'm having mm-hmm. like that moment of, you know, young Carolyn 
in college, just starting to date Andy when she sees the first right, Top Gun. Yeah. And now I'm sitting next to Andy, who I've been with since then, and this youngest daughter who's about to fly the coop. Who's flying the coop. Yes. And so that was hitting me really hard. Um, and then there were many moments from the original movie that they either spliced in or, again, like recreated. So you see Tom Cruise. And by golly, you guys, I wish – I mean, think what you think about Tom Cruise – he it's has a aged well. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I think there's some sort of um, like hocus pocus going on. There might oh, be. Yeah, there is. But mm-hmm. it's Hollywood and I, I'm going to go with it. You guys, movies obviously can leave an indelible mark on our lives. And I am ready to chat about some of those films from the summers of my youth. Are you guys ready? Yes, I'm so ready. Let's get on with the episode. You guys, I don't think that there was a moment quite like the summer movie experience for me when I was Mm -hmm. um, growing up. Especially in Houston, Texas, on a scorching 100-plus degree day to get dropped off at a movie theater with, you guys, a $5 bill that would not only get me into the movie, but also popcorn, probably a drink, maybe some sweet tarts, because that was my candy of choice. You know <laughs> was why? it? Because you could suck on those little sweet tarts for a long time. It was like a, you could make that candy yeah. last a yep, really could, long yeah. time. Um, so that and then a quarter at the end to call my parents, or probably a dime, actually. Dime at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, to call my parents to come pick me up at the end of the movie. And a string. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. The dinosaur uh, phone. Yeah, there was nothing quite like that experience. And often, because of how hot it was in Houston, and if you went early enough, you could get that early like matinee price, Mm -hmm. I would sometimes get to go and see two movies. Wasn't that the best? Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. And coming out. Did you pay for two movies or did you sneak in? Well, we'll get to that later. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It mattered who I was at the movies with, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yes, and then there was that moment of uh, my movie theater that I went to um, was outside, so it wasn't attached to a mall or anything. So as soon as you kind of came out and went to the payphone, oh my gosh, the sun and the heat, yeah. it was just like, you couldn't see anything. You thought you had gone from heaven to hell. I don't know. It was just that extreme. <laughs> of it's a like difference. an alternate universe. Like you're, <laughs> exactly. Like you're being born or something. Exactly. Yeah, I still, when I come out of a movie theater, I kind of stumble around a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, what yeah. just happened? Exactly. Mm-hmm. What um, What memories do you guys have from summer well, movies? The heat is, is a significant factor in the summertime, and we didn't have air conditioning. And so that was often, uh, that was sweet relief. That was a necessity going to a movie, right? Um, And oftentimes these would be neighborhood outings for us where all the moms would get together and we'd take three cars to the Roseville 4 Theater and we'd go see a double feature sometimes, like with Pippi Longstocking and Farlap or something like that. (laughs) And I remember I remember the first time we saw a double feature and and we came out of the theater and we went to the lobby and then we didn't leave. I'm like, why are we leaving? Oh, my God, there's another one? We're going back in? It was like the sweetest joy. Yeah. Did you get to get two double snacks for both? No. Did you get oh, to my get God, snacks? no. Yeah, what a waste of money. Well, and so much sugar. <laughs> well, as usual, I really don't have specific memories of a certain theater or the first time I saw a certain movie, <laughs> other than maybe two, which I'm going to share later. But what I do still have with me is 
that glorious feeling of going to the movies, especially in the summer when school was out. And that whole movie going experience just added to the freedom you already felt. Mm -hmm. Um, But like so many experiences from our childhood, it's sadly just gone now. And I mean, sure, we still go to the movies, um, but it's just not the same. We have way too many choices now. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily. I mean, Lord knows I love being able to watch almost any movie I, I can think of from my own home. And I remember only about 10 years ago, imagining such a day with almost like Jetson-like awe. Like, mm-hmm. God, could like that really happen one day? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not complaining about that necessarily, but all of these choices have taken away from the simplistic anticipation and joy, ultimately, mm-hmm. of the whole movie-going experience, I think. Well, and movies just can't get as big. There will never be another Star Wars. There just won't. I mean, this Top Gun is probably as close as we're going to get, and yeah. it's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. It's just, to me, I'd almost rather, a lot of times, rather pay 20 bucks to watch it at home. And that's sad, I because will, I- I will never give up the, the movie theater experience. It's never going to be the same for me. It's the, the experience alone that- Yeah, I, I need, I need to, I need to remind communal, myself of that. That communal, it is, communal piece. Um, mm-hmm. That, and sadly, I think, well, obviously the pandemic did that to us. I mean, exacerbated what was already happening with- Removing these communal experiences. Mm -hmm. And I will say not to get, I don't want to get into this topic on this podcast, but one reason, if I'm being truthful, that I don't sometimes go to the movie theater or the malls anymore Mm -hmm. is because I'm kind of scared. I agree so, with you. Yeah. I sometimes I, I just, especially mm-hmm. if I'm going to see a really big movie that's like yeah. Top Gun or something that might have violence in it oh, or that other that people so know dark. that oh, the, that the theater is going to be packed with people, I would just assume stay home. Well, obviously, the experience of going to a movie during the summer left a mark, but also mm-hmm. so did some of those movies. The actual Some of movies, them were huge. For sure. The very first true summer blockbuster was Jaws, which was released on June 20th, 1975. And that movie, it was just a perfect marketing storm. The 30-second TV ads the creepy and haunting score by John Williams, the unforgettable movie poster, a shark eating people at a beach in the summer. Mm -hmm. People couldn't look away. They had to see it for themselves, and they did. Jaws became the first movie to earn $100 million (gasps) at the box office in 1975. I did not know that. Wow. Wow. I wonder what $100 would equate to today. That's a good question, yeah. And what people forget is that like the word blockbuster is a literal term. And so when we heard from people on social media, many people talked about standing in line for Jaws in a line that wrapped around the block. Mm-hmm. It busted the block, right? <laughs> and that is not something that happens anymore. Wow. No. First of all, can we just say, I never knew that. What oh, my cl- God. Yeah. I had no idea that's <laughs> yep. why it was called a blockbuster. Yes, it busted the block. It, the line oh, went I'm around the block. I'm just getting that now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was your job, Michelle. It says right here, definition. <laughs> wow. I did not block know that. Blockbuster. Isn't that get funny? It. I get yes. it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it went around the block. And people mentioned that. That's not an experience that we have anymore. We don't stand in line at all because right. we have 19 ticket takers and we don't have any access to the outside anymore. <laughs> Theaters aren't on blocks. Right. They're at the mall. 
Right. All of that is gone. Mm -hmm. And Jaws certainly made its mark on our generation, even if people were too little to see it, which just freaks me out. So when we asked our followers about their summer movie memories, not surprisingly, a ton of them were about Jaws. I didn't see it in the theater, but my parents did. And that alone made me afraid to go in the water. (laughs) We went swimming the next day after my parents went to see it. And we were jumping off of a boat into a lake. It was fresh water, for God's sake. (laughs) And I knew that. I was like, sharks can't be in fresh water. Sharks can't be in fresh water. And I remember treading water and the sensation of my feet in the water. And I keep thinking, I'm picturing, dun, 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 dun. I'm picturing a shark coming up to grab my legs. And I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to get back in the boat. It's because you'd seen the commercial. Yes. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. It was too much. And I didn't even see it. Um, We got so many comments from people about Jaws. Stella Dora 0721 said, Jaws would definitely be one of my most memorable movies. I had just turned 10 and my parents, sister, and I went to see it at the Rialto Theater. I absolutely fell in love with Roy Scheider. She has like (laughs) little heart eyes. I also remember someone throwing their popcorn behind them when the eyeball pops out of the bottom of the boat. Um... My friends and I went to see it several times that summer because of Roy Scheider. After one showing was over, we'd hide behind seats and stay to watch the next showing. I still enjoy watching it, but I hate being in the water. I mean, they scarred us. They did. Spielberg scarred us. Lady Beaverhausen says, my parents actually took... I know, I'm sorry. I just love her name. Every time I see it, I just chuckle. We see you, Lady Beaverhausen. My parents actually took me to see this when it came out. I was just five. Oh, yes. I was five years old. I threw up when I saw the head underwater with the missing eyeball. I showed them. (laughs) I showed them. (laughs) (laughs) They were probably like, we really want to see this movie and we don't have a babysitter. So what are we supposed to do? They weren't like, she's going to really enjoy this. Probably that she'd fall asleep or something and she wouldn't even see it. Oh. Um, Hatfield 07.Nicole says, when I was five, I love this so much, our 13-year-old next-door neighbor came over to tell us about this wild movie about a shark. He acted it out, including the music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Jaws is still one of my favorite movies, and I have to watch it every summer. And I think that's a great summer tradition. I think it is, too. I haven't seen that movie in decades. And I've never seen it. Still? Carolyn, Really? This yes. summer, you're going to see it. You're going to you see it at the Parkway it. Theater. And if you think about it, the summer blockbuster really belongs to us, Generation yeah. X, yeah. because of Jaws. It was born when we were coming of age and just starting to go to movies, um, sometimes on our own with our, with our friends, and perpetuated by us because we didn't have anything to do in the summer. We didn't have back-to-back camps or traveling soccer, so our summers... We're gifted with these iconic movie experiences when we were both off of school, completely unscheduled, and uh-huh. approaching the age when we could get dropped off at the theater by ourselves. Right. Like age four. Right. And I got to uh-huh. say, too, that um, not all of my favorite summer movies were actually even blockbusters. Some of the most memorable ones for me probably only earned a fraction of what those blockbusters did, mm-hmm. but they were certainly no less entertaining Kind of like, I like to call them popcorn films. Just, you know, the ones that were fun and yeah. go to with our friends. Sometimes the movie you saw in the theater, they weren't actually summer releases. We kind of talked about this with the multiplex thing a little bit. Because movies stayed in the theater so much longer. Or maybe it took a long time for the 
for the movie to get to your town. You just had to wait. Like for me, in the summer of 1976, we were at the mall with my parents, probably to get out of the heat, when they surprised us with the news that we were going to go to the mall theater and see the Bad News Bears. And that was an April release, but maybe not in Minnesota. Maybe uh-huh. we didn't get it until summertime. Um, so we're standing by the movie poster. So I think my parents were like, hey, we're not ready to go home because there's no air conditioning at home. Let's go see this movie, yeah. which would have been a really huge deal. And they probably like, like Walter Matthau or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's Great. a good actor. We might yeah. enjoy this. We'll go see it. And my mom was so upset about the sassy Tatum O'Neill. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. God, but I want to. And she should have been because I was like, yeah, I want to be sassy <laughs> like her. Sass mouth. Um, but my brother who was probably four or five at the time. No. Yeah, five. Anyway, he was so stressed out. They're like, we're going to see the Bad News Bears. And he's like, what? Why? Because he didn't know it was a movie. And he thought my parents were breaking some bad news about bears. Well, And he's like, what? What happened to the bears? What? It was just really heartbreaking. Like the Chicago the- bears? Or, yes. the, no, or real bears? Or bear cubs. Little bear cubs. What happened to the bears? How do you have these oh, memories no. still? How do you remember Isn't that? Isn't that funny? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, I feel like all the movies from my personal best of movie reel were summer blockbusters. And for me, they all began with Grease, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But I can't talk about summer movies that impacted me without mentioning one that our listeners already know I had feelings about. (laughs) And that is the blockbuster, The Blue Lagoon, which was released on July 5th, 1980. And if you listened to our episode devoted to a rewatch of that movie, you know my feelings are a little bit different now than they were then, but you'll remember that back in 1980, when little Michelle was just 11 years old, that movie was magical to me. Was it because I was swept up in the island romance between two underage cousins? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Was it the tension, not knowing if or how they'd get off the island? I'm sure that was part of it. Was it pausing and rewinding when Christopher (laughs) Atkins walked around in a loincloth or swam with his puppy visibly floating around in the water? (laughs) Yes, naked. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) But for whatever the reason historically great or currently cringy, The Blue Lagoon will always hold a special place in my summer movie memories. And as we said in our Blue Lagoon episode, um, it being a summer release certainly helped with its popularity. That movie made $58.8 million at the box office. And we mentioned that like as we're going, wow, this is really bad acting and this story is horrible. Why Why was it so popular? Because people kept going back to see Christopher Atkins' puppy. And if you haven't listened to that episode, <laughs> listeners, when we say puppy, you know what we're referring to. And there's a reason right. we call it a puppy. You're going to have to go back to that episode and listen. It's a really funny conversation. We all basically watched, did a watch party of Blue Lagoon and then immediately had a reaction um, Oh, yes. conversation about it. So definitely worth a listen. Well, like you said, Michelle, so many of the movies that I remember from growing up were ones that were released in the summer. And again, probably because um, we went a lot more in the summer. That was just movie time. I think if I ever went during the other times of the year, it was a really for a really special event or something. Mm-hmm. So um, oftentimes there were great movies 
included in just one summer. So just listen to this. I'm going to read to you a list of movies that came out after we defined what the summer blockbuster was in 1975. So from 1976. Post-Jaws. Yeah, post-Jaws. Thank you. And we're going to chat and see if we remember them, what they meant to us, and you'll see um, why the summer movie experience really um, made an impact on us. Okay, so here are the movies that came out in the summer of 1976, post-Jaws. Logan's Run, The Outlaw Josie Wales, Bugsy Malone, The Omen, Ode to Jill- Jilly Bo, <laughs> Ode to Billy Joe. <laughs> I'm going to name my dog Jilly Bo. Um, silent <laughs> Movie and Lifeguard. Did you yeah, see any of those? No. Well, no, not that summer. I mean, I was I was just seven years old. And Bugsy Malone, Scott Baio was not on my radar yet because he wasn't. I, I this knew is pre, about Scott Baio. Well, it's pre seventy six would be pre Happy Days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's definitely a really cute, really tiny Scott Baio. And I really yeah. wanted to see it. It was all children. And you know, you can only beg so much. But I didn't have a driver's license or a car. So right. Wait, but and a credit card. But you know what I do remember um, a lot are the movie posters from some of those movies. Like Mm -hmm. um, I can remember, um, I think I even remember the lifeguard one, but I remember the silent movie one. Um, I do too. He's going like this. Yeah. And I've got my finger to my lips. (laughs) And I was um, in the omen. I remember this was still the era of my parents would go to movies or my mom would go with her friends um, and, you know, say, I'm going to go see the omen. And I would just think, oh, that was so, you know, Grown up. Grown up, yeah. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that to me, 76, was kind of the the last year of when I would go with my parents. Because 1977, that was the year that I will probably Mm -hmm. remember the most in terms of a summer movie experience. Because this was when... I was dropped off at the theater and mm-hmm. um, with my friends, and my parents were like, yeah, you can even see a PG movie without PG? us. I know. And boy, did but I see some- it says parental guidance I right know. in the title. They, I guess, thought I could do it. So, mm-hmm. um, and let me tell you, PG was what I did. Okay. So, um, yes. The, so, the only movie that I remember from 1976 that I'm sure I saw with my mom and my little sister was the Disney movie, Gus. Yes, and, me too. Aww. About the donkey, the, cookie, the donkey that could kick the yeah. football. He was on a football team. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's the only one I remember seeing. Well, and I think for me, it was kind of the end of that kind of childhood for me. I think, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about 1976. And I think in a lot of ways, I'm just reflecting now, is probably a real turning point in my growing up between 76 and 77, how I was viewed from my parents' lens, like maturity-wise, what I could handle, Mm -hmm. what I could do. And 1976 was kind of the last year of maybe my innocence. Oh, gosh, right? So, um, but like I said, 1977, this is the year for me. I mean, I Mm -hmm. look at this list of movies um, that I'm going to read to you and kind of share some experiences, and oh my gosh, they hit hard. Here are movies from 1977. We have Smokey and the Bandit, One on One, The Deep, Roller Coaster, which by the way was Helen Hunt's first movie role, Orca, Orca the Killer Whale, The Rescuers, and Star Wars. I will start with 
one of my favorites that I probably saw three or four times, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, yeah. I love love this movie (laughs) so, so much. Probably because, yes, it was one of the first PG movies I saw. But, you guys, it had it all. It had a love story. It had Sally Field, who up until then was the flying nun for me. I mean, that's all Mm -hmm. I remembered her from. And Burt Reynolds. And he was kind of hot. Yes. And kind of had what I liked in a guy or when I'm starting to like guys. It was like he had this sense of humor. um, And but yet he had this great ability to drive and he was willing to take chances. And so that was really cute. (laughs) And believe it or not, um, this movie debuted on a summer weekend, Memorial Day um, of 1977. I won't tell you the other movie that also um, released that weekend. We'll get to that in a minute. But this movie... Smokey and the Bandit was the second highest grossing domestic film of 1977. It was? Not just of the summer, of the entire. Yes. And it's also where Bert and Sally kind of met and started dating. Remember that Mm -hmm. love affair? You guys, that one still kind of breaks my heart. Because I guess I always saw Sally Field as this kind of goody two-shoes. I mean, she's Gidget. She's a flying nun. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, you can be the good girl and still get the sexy Burt Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't just in the movie. This was in real life. I loved their um, their relationship. And it just made me sad when it broke up. Because they were together a a long time. Yeah, they Uh were. And you also might remember, and maybe Kristen, why your brother remembers mm-hmm. it a lot, is from the um, the theme song from the movie, which Jerry Reed wrote, which was called Eastbound and Down. You remember? <gasps> yes, Eastbound, Eastbound and Down. down. We're going to do what they say can be done. We've got a long way to go. So that might be um, another reason that it's one of those movies that transcended just the theater. We had that song on the radio and um, and just that you know, lifestyle of the CB era. Okay, so first PG movie that, uh I was so, this is why PG is PG. The Deep. Oh, I saw scary. The Deep. Scary, yeah, whatever. I don't really remember that part. I remember <laughs> seeing Jacqueline Bissett's breast and nipples <gasps> through her white oh. t-shirt. Like, this was my first exposure to kind of nudity, in quotation marks, mm-hmm. in a movie like, Oh boy, this is again titillating because I've never seen this before. But it was my again my first exposure to something beyond. You know, did you a think G- you were going to get in trouble seeing her nipples and her breasts and her waist? I don't shirt. know if I thought I was going to get in trouble, but I thought like, oh, I mean, I remember having a feeling, um, and I think my mom knew I was. We were seeing the deep, so I don't think I got thought I would get in trouble. I know my mom had had the book. I remember um, seeing the book on our bookshelf along with Jaws, which I would just flip through in Jaws to read the scene of the naked girl swimming when she gets, because it described what she looked like. So, yeah, I guess I was kind of into nudity or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> Who is no, it? we were all at that age <laughs> where we were yes, curious. Yeah, curious. and you felt kind of grown up. Yeah. I think that was the movie that kind of I went, I just, you know, sat a little straighter and stood up a little yeah. taller and was like, yeah, I've made that, um, made that leap. Okay, and saving the best for last, let's talk about Star Wars. So this was a neighborhood outing for me again. I had never heard of this movie. And Chase called me and said, we're going to Star Wars. And I'm like, whatever. Okay, I'm coming. But I had never heard of it. And she was so excited. And she's still a sci-fi person to this day. I remember I got lemon drops and I spilled them all when I didn't. I don't know what happened. Something scary happened. A stormtrooper <laughs> came around the corner and I spilled my lemon drops and they all rolled down the movie theater. You can hear them all the way from I could. They're rolling, rolling, rolling. rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I remember my uncle standing in line and going, it's in Dolby. It's in (laughs) Dolby, you guys. I'm like, what the hell is Dolby? But I didn't want to look stupid. So I was just like, yeah, it's Dolby. But still to this day, and I am not, I'm going to say this so many times. I always preface it this way. I'm not a Star Wars geek. I'm not a Star, Mm -mm, I don't mean to classify you as geeks, a Star Wars person. But the experience of seeing Star Wars that first time in the theater implanted something in me so that when I see a Star Wars movie today and the yellow words start scrolling on the screen, I start to cry. Mm -hmm. It's the weirdest thing. We also obviously got tons and tons of comments from followers about the summer that Star Wars came out. Amy Cecilia says, this is so sweet, you guys. My dad never went to or took us to the movies, but I remember standing in a line that wrapped around the building to see this movie with him. I have that same exact memory. It is one of the uh, most special memories, probably like top five memories of my entire oh, life so wow. far. Is Aww. Yeah, because my mom did not go with us. So it was just my sister and my dad and myself. And honestly, up till that point, I think maybe I'd gone to the movies once with my dad. We saw The Sound of Music like when it came on the big screen when I was really young. But otherwise, this was the only time that I'd gone and we stood in a line. First time I'd ever stood in a line for a movie. It was a and blockbuster. he was so <laughs> excited. Yeah. Oh, he was like cute. a little kid. And sadly, back then, all I wanted to do was like make my dad happy and stuff. Oh, so yeah. I was like, oh, he's so happy and he's so glad his daughters are here. And when we were in the movie, he was giddy. He was a giddy child. It was so, it was so memorable. So yes, that will always yeah. be. I mean, I love the that movie. So but it funny. was funny. You and it Amy Cecilia yes, need to get Amy, together. I get it. I totally mm-hmm. get well, it. Well, and I, I, this is only one of of maybe two or three movies of my entire life that I know I have a memory of going mm-hmm. to the movie theater to see. I always wonder, did I see that? And did I see that on at a birthday party? Did I see that, you know, right. on VHS later? But Star Wars, um, I was in fourth grade and I remember I went with my sister and we went with our neighbors, uh, Tim and David. Tim was a girl. Um, and I remember- Okay, she just throws that out there like no big deal. Tim was a Tem- girl. Her and name then- was Temberly. But I remember going to the movie theater because it was the big deal movie and we had mm-hmm. to see it. And I can remember sitting there, I was in fourth grade, and the beginning of the movie, I was all in. I was like, this is great. And probably about 25 minutes into that movie, I was completely confused. I was oh, like, yes, of course. I don't understand what's <laughs> I happening. I didn't get it either. I don't like, this isn't my kind of movie. I'm not liking this, but it's a big deal. And I remember convincing myself that I liked it. And I remember acting like I was all into Star Wars and and maybe even seeing the second movie because it was the big deal. And I finally became an adult and realized I don't have to be a Star Wars person. I think I was attached to, and this holds true today, whether it's a book I'm reading or a movie I'm, movie I'm watching, I was attached to the characters. I had no Correct. idea what was going on, but yes. I loved C-3PO, and yes. I loved Princess Leia, and I loved R2, and so I had the little and action I loved figures Luke. and everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I 100%, yeah. Um, yes, mm-hmm. 100%, Kristen, that was how I felt about the movie, too. It was all about too. the characters. All about mm-hmm. the characters mm-hmm. and all about, maybe we played it. Maybe we played Star Wars oh, all ever. the time. Yeah. All the time. I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. Oh, my um, sister and I would go around saying, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. 
<laughs> like whenever like we needed something from the other one, like, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. I'm seeing you like in bed with a walkie-talkie, going, Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi, you're my only hope. Did you guys know that you know we talked earlier that Jaws was the first blockbuster because it was the first movie to earn a hundred million dollars at the box office. This is only two years later. Star Wars surpassed Jaws with seven hundred seventy-five point <gasps> eight million dollars. So not just surpassed it. Oh, I mean, oh, we like went over six hundred and seventy-five million dollars more than Jaws. And so that's when really it was in 1977 that these really big budget films became really popular because then that resulted in a surge of summer film drops throughout the 80s and 90s, big budget ones like Alien, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. Okay, we have a couple more comments here because people were really into Star Wars. Marvel Ann says, I had read some snippets about Star Wars in Dynamite magazine and could not wait for it to come out. Our whole family went to see it, including my grandmother, who named her vacuum cleaner R2-D2 afterwards. I saw it as many times as I could that summer. I thought the music was incredible, and I still have the double album I received for Christmas that year. I got it for Christmas, too. I did, too. Yes, I can still see it. We played it in band, the music, too. Here's a comment from Mom to Stitch Love, which is not necessarily about Star Wars, but it is Star Wars related. She said, Dad wanted us to see Close Encounters. Mom thought we were too young, but Dad overruled us. My brother and I loved it and spent the rest of the weekend humming and singing that tune over and over and over again. Oh, I played that on the clarinet. still see my fingers moving. She's wiggling her fingers. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark was another big movie for us, and true to form, as soon as we got home, we were out in the yard trying to create whips out of old rope and singing the theme songs. And then this is the important part. She says, seriously, John Williams wrote the background music for our entire childhood. Our entire lives, really. And so that relates back to the double album, the Star Wars double album that we all got for Christmas. And we're Mm going to talk about even more movies as we move forward. They're all John Williams, and they're all stuck in our heads. So obviously, 1977 was a big year for a lot of us. Um, 1978, let's move to there. We had Heaven Can Wait, Animal House, Piranha, Jaws 2, and (laughs) Grease. Oh, man. Grease was the summer movie blockbuster that started it all for me, I think. Mm -hmm. So I was nine years old. I was enamored, and I spent hours that summer and many, many subsequent summers, current summer included, um, (laughs) singing and dancing to the soundtrack. You guys, I would act out the entire movie, and I love to be good Sandy, which I think might be the title of my memoir. Um, (laughs) Ooh, I love it. And I was... I would love to like realize all the girls were making fun of me, you know, like I would act like they were when, when look at me on Sandra D would be playing. And then I would draw my knees up under my chin, you know, when I would <laughs> sing the reprise and then, you know, nine little nine-year-old Michelle, all of a sudden was like pretending to like smush out her cigarette with Arner, Larkin with her high heel and you know, tell me about it mm-hmm. instead. And, and I would be up on my tippy toes twisting, you know, and it was just, I just feel like, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I know everybody, most people listening did the exact same thing Mm -hmm. with the soundtrack. It It meant so much to us Mm -hmm. in that movie. It spoke to a lot of people. I mean, and I knew I was Carnival Sandy. I'm still Carnival Sandy. (laughs) Grease was, it's still today for me, holds my record for the number of times I saw a movie in the theater. And it is nine. I saw it nine Whoa, times wow. in the theater. Nine yes. times. Mm-hmm. How and old were you then? You were 
I was 10. 10. Yeah. yeah, I was 10 years old. And it was a, a lot of getting dropped off at Harmar Mall with my friends. And I saw it with a bunch of different friends. And it was such a thing for us to go home, um, you know, because it lasted into the whole school year, right? You go home after school with one of your friends. And what do you do? Well, which one are we going to act out right now? Right. Are you John Travolta or are you Sandy? I'm going to be Sandy. No, you were Sandy mm-hmm. last time. I mean, then you have to fight and decide who's going to be John Travolta and who's going to be Sandy. And it oh. changes with every song because when would we mm-hmm. get to Beauty School yeah. Dropout, I was Frenchie. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, always sure. changed, you know. Right. I was never Rizzo, though, because she terrified me. And oh, that's I just that's Rizzo. So, <laughs> I know, but that's so in character for me. It's so funny. It's so, in so character predictable, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. And when you think about it, this movie and maybe Star Wars for a lot of people, but this lasted with us far after we left the movie theater. Like you said, we went yeah, home it did. and we sang it and we acted it out. And again, we had the double album, which if you remember, didn't have like a scrapbooky looking thing with yes. like, I still have like a yearbook. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It was so great. And for me, um, the very first time I saw it was in Atlanta, Georgia with my cousins. We were doing our first road trip, come to think of it, from Texas to New York. And then when we got to New York, my other cousins we were visiting, they had already seen it, and we were singing the songs all the time. And I distinctly remember my grandmother being there, and (laughs) all of her grandkids were in one place at the same time, which rarely happened, if ever. I think that was maybe the only time that we were ever all together in the same place. They lived in New York. We lived in Houston. And we sang the heck out of that soundtrack, and we acted it out. I just remember her sitting in a chair and really in my mind thinking, this is a gift you give to your grandparents. And it was very important to me that my Mm -hmm. mom had those moments, and Andy's parents were all of their grandkids were together at the same time. And Greece gave us the opportunity to have this shared experience, no matter that we lived halfway across mm-hmm. the country from each other, and that we got so excited about. So those are my two super fond um, Greece memories. Did you know that the Pop Culture Preservation Society depends on support from listeners like you to keep our podcast up and running? We are an independent operation, creating, producing, distributing, and promoting the podcast by ourselves and paying for it out of our own pockets because we love it and we think it's worth it to preserve the well-loved cultural nuggets from our Gen X youth. If you'd like to become a supporter of the PCPS, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for Pop Culture Preservation Society. Our Patreon supporters are like our pit crew, giving us the fuel we need to keep on trucking. And as a Patreon supporter, you'll also get special thank you gifts, like video recordings of our episodes, after the episode discussions, invitations to live events over Zoom, and the occasional blooper delivered straight to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening and for being a part of our society. And now we're at 1979. We've got the Amityville Horror, the Muppet Movie, Monty Python's Life of Brian, Alien, Apocalypse Now, Rocky II, Dracula, Patrick, and more American graffiti. Oh, that's even a know year. What some of those What's are? Patrick? I don't know. Patrick. Well, I looked at the thing for that. It looks really creepy. Um, it was Ew. some kind of um, creepy movie kind of a thing. Um, but I got to say, 1979, the Amityville Horror, my first R-rated movie. <gasps> my best oh. friend Debbie's dad took us, and I still have the ticket stub. It's in my wow. scrapbook. That's how monumental my first R-rated movie was. Um and then, of course, the fact that this was based on a true story and could maybe really happen made the movie all that more intriguing and frightening to me. But um, it will always it will always be my very first R-rated movie. Um, and so here's a hard turn to the left. The Muppet <laughs> movie. Um, <laughs> 
was a huge movie for my whole family because, like you said, Carolyn, it was something that we, that we could bring our whole family to, which was hard because my sister was like four years old and I was 14. So right. what movies would encompass all of this, all of these people? And the Muppet movie did that. My dad was the music teacher at my school. And he was so enamored with the Muppet movie that he used the Muppet movie soundtrack as the theme of our spring concert that year. My dad still <laughs> loves the Muppets. And one time, one time he went in for a hug with my mom and he's just like embracing her and he goes, I just love the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> my mom's like, what? Oh, gosh. I love the Muppets. Oh. Well, the music, honestly, from that movie, that's what made an impact on me. And um, mm-hmm. I also saw that movie with my friend Debbie, and she played the piano. So we love the music so much, we went to the music store and we bought the songbook with the piano music oh, from it. Yes. And she would play and I would sit next to her and I couldn't <laughs> sing. So God bless her mom for listening to us, like me singing The Rainbow Connection and all that. But, oh, I loved that. The music is what yeah. I remember from that movie. I loved learning because when you have sheet music, you get to see what the actual words are. Right. And so I loved learning that it, the wor- actual words were moving right along, doogadoon, doogadoon. <laughs> yes, like it's, it's doogadoon. <laughs> You're supposed to say doogadoon. All right, you guys, now I think we really hit our sweet spot for Gen X summer movies. We're in the 80s. And um, Jamie Logie, who's the host of Everything 80s podcast, wrote about the significance of summer movies in the 80s, saying this. The 1980s set the stage for what summer at the movies would become. The summer movies of the 80s were able to capture a unique tone and spirit that we still feel today when watching them. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys will agree when I read you the list of films um, that we saw during the 1980s. The summer of 1980, we get Caddyshack, Friday the 13th, Airplane, The Empire Strikes Back, The Shining, Mad Max, and Michelle's favorite, Blue Lagoon. <laughs> okay, Caddyshack. First of all, I have still not seen this movie. I've I have never not seen it. And it's, it's too late. Is this the Baby Ruth movie? Is this Baby yeah. Ruth? Yeah. That's no, all I know. Oh, I don't even know. Um, the very first words that I ever spoke to my husband. I was going to say my now husband, but that implies that he's temporary. <laughs> he's not temporary. He's permanent. The very first words I ever spoke to my husband were a Caddyshack-themed embarrassment. Because again, I had not seen the movie. I still have not seen the movie. Um, And his last name is Noonan. And he introduced himself to me. And I said, my boyfriend always goes, Noonan. And I I was, and he's like, yeah, I've heard that before. Well, first of all, I'm talking about my boyfriend. And then (laughs) I'm saying something that he's like, everybody knows that except Uh you. I don't know it. Okay, and then Friday thir- Friday the 13th. I would like to dedicate this to the Stein girls. Of course. Of course. Because I saw so many of these movies with the Stein girls, whose mom was so much more permissive than mine. They went to our movies all the time. No big deal. There was They didn't have to have a discussion about it. And plus, they were twins. So they had so much power in their <laughs> household. I was only one voice in my house, and I would have to like get a campaign going to go see something. But if the Stein girls wanted to go see a movie, we went to see the movie. Um, and so we went to see Friday the 13th, and I'm pretty sure that was my very first horror movie. Oh, that's a bad one, too. I mean, Ooh, yeah. bad. I mean, like, that's, yeah. like, scary. Mm-hmm. 
but I owe the Stein girls quite a debt because I yes. saw a lot of we movies. We all do. I, I never would say, have been able to see. This whole podcast does. I know. <laughs> well, um, Airplane is a movie for me that I don't think an- – I don't think I knew how delightful stupid comedy was until I saw Airplane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that became then just a classic sleepover movie, right? For everybody. You yes. always had to show Airplane. But you guys, can I just mention, Vicky from The Love Boat, when her <laughs> IV gets yanked out by the guitar, that's an Oscar-worthy yes, it performance. Her oh, face is all contorted. And then, and then she's still just singing on the guitar. And Swing she's in the, in the guitar. background. And her, she's like pulling her cheeks in and like her hands are up like... Oh. That is seventh grade humor at its finest. Oh my it's gosh. Just, that entire movie from the very beginning. It's just a nonstop ride. It's just pure yes, joy. And I think it definitely holds up. I haven't seen it in decades. And just doing the research for this um, episode, I made a list of some things and that I want to rewatch. And Airplane yeah. is one of them. Yeah. It's so good. It's so funny. Another one of those things that I love, like Battle of the Network Stars, where there were so many stars mm-hmm. that you knew from so other many just parts. Coming and in. Oh Barbara Billingsley from oh Leave to Beaver. And yes. she like, re- doesn't she like talk like, um, it's really she inappropriate today. Yeah, so, it's terribly inappropriate. Yeah, she speaks jive. Yeah. But so funny. But Mrs. Cleaver speaking jive is like, yes. yeah, that like, made us chuckle. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. Well, and then in 1980, we got the Empire Strikes Back. And again, my dad was beside himself that oh, here we get the next Star Wars Wars uh, movie. So again, he was thrilled to take us to see this one. And I think my mom was always thrilled when like for Star Wars and this because she got like a day to herself. You know, (laughs) that's how I feel every time Mm -hmm. my entire for my kids, anytime they want to see a a Star Wars movie. And some of them have come out like on Christmas Eve or something Mm -hmm. or right. And they'll, they'll say, Oh, we feel so bad. We're leaving you for a few. And I'm like, go, go, have fun. Enjoy. I love this daddy daughter bonding. twice if you want to. Yeah. All right. So we've got now 1981. We've got Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the evil dead, Porky's and Mad Max 2, the road warrior. Porky's is, you talk about like Friday the 13th, Amityville Mm -hmm. horror. Mm Mm-hmm. Porky's is the first movie that traumatized me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. Not a horror movie, but Porky's. Mm-hmm. I saw it way too young, I'm sure. I don't – I have no memory that I saw it in the theater that summer. I I don't even know what it was rated. I just know uh, I think R. I'm going to guess yes, it wasn't it was. in a theater, mm-hmm. but I probably saw it very soon after somehow. Um, a sleepover maybe. I don't know. But I was shocked. I was grossed out. I was completely intrigued, but I was – it was it it's one of those movies that I like couldn't look away from mm-hmm. if that makes sense like mm-hmm. I didn't like it but like I couldn't stop watching it and I have images and scenes from Porky's to this day that are tattooed on the inside of my eyelids I swear like Beulah pulling Tommy's penis through the peephole oh, with all her might <laughs> oh I in now, the girl's shower Husker room do, in the girl's Husker locker do, room yes oh there and then just just the the characters and meat like I can just picture what meat looked like I just it's yeah, not a yeah. good – it's not like a good memory. Like I don't not want to rewatch that because it's like I've seen it enough. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's I think so – I that's funny because I have the same feelings about Porky and I never saw it. The St- But the Stein girls saw it and they sure. told me all the things you're talking about, they told me about. And I think I was like, I'm going to stay home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a little much. I agree. All right. Um, now I'm going to move on to 1982 and we've got – Rocky Three, Poltergeist, E.T., Blade Runner, The Thing, Tron, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. 
Okay, you guys, this was my year. I mean, talk about Stein girls. I should just call them up right now. Let's just bring them we on. We are the getting show. them on. For yes. Sure. Although this first one I saw with Christy Bougie, shout out to Christy Bougie. Rocky oh. Three, you guys. <laughs> this seems so unlikely. I don't like sports ball types of things. I don't like things that are super testosterone y. Uh, this, this, this pairing does not match. But I have feelings about Rocky Three. Big feelings. I had a crush on this movie. Not on Ooh. Sylvester Stallone. I had crush-like feelings for the movie mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. And when Rocky's coach Mickey dies, played by Burgess Meredith, oh. I was destroyed. And I just watched it again on YouTube. Not the movie. Just the part where Mickey dies. <laughs> and I sobbed. I sobbed like it was 1982. For two minutes and 32 seconds, oh. I just sobbed <laughs> watching it. Burgess, Mer- Burgess Meredith die again. And then Rocky rises from the ashes of his grief. And let's not forget, this is where we get the eye of the tiger. And this whole soundtrack... Okay, I was going to say it was really good. That's not true. Um, (laughs) This whole soundtrack, I was obsessed with. (laughs) That's different. It's not the same. But it even had an instrumental called Mickey. (laughs) And I would cry and think about Burgess Meredith. (laughs) I could see that. I know. Okay, and here's a fun fact about Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger was recorded at the request of Sylvester Stallone when Queen would not give him permission to use Another One Bites the Dust as the theme for Rocky III. Huh. Oh, well, right? I'm glad they didn't beca- or, I because know. Eye of the Tiger, It's that can be the only thing. It's legendary. It's yes. legendary. It was nominated for an Oscar for Best Song from a movie, and it lost to um, Up Where We Belong from Officer and a Gentleman, which should be on this list. Also saw it with the Stein Girls. And... Uh, the world according to Garp should be on this list. Also, I world loved an officer and a gentleman. Oh, I did too. Oh, my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. that's when I fell in love with Richard Gere. Oh my god! Totally. When he puts the he carries her out of the factory oh, and gosh, puts the hat on her. Last scene. Um, E.T. Okay, let's talk E.T. Shall we? A lot of people have a lot of feelings about E.T. And this is from one of our followers from my Luna Lapdog. June 1982. I never cried more in a theater before or since. The ending destroyed me. Years later, I learned Steven Spielberg loved John Williams' music so much, he re-edited the ending to fit the film shots to the music. I watched it soon after, and I was destroyed a second time. Earlier this year, I was fortunate to watch John Williams perform music from his movies live at Carnegie Hall. He played Flying Theme from E.T., It was so emotional, and I was destroyed a third time. The lesson here is there are movies and music that move us, even 40 years later. It transports me back to a simpler time and place, a fond and strong memory, where a boy says goodbye to his best friend, a weird, ugly alien turd. I'm going to stop (laughs) here before I'm destroyed for a fourth time. (laughs) I I I love that. I remember when I read that. On Instagram, and I thought that's what that's what the PCPS does too. Though, is it mm-hmm. connects all this nostalgia, and it makes it it makes it important again. I also mm-hmm. love how she calls um, ET a weird alien turd. A weird alien. That's turd. like a perfect way. It to, is perfect no. description. 
It's so true. Um, I saw E.T. in the theater with my whole family in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Um, we were, yeah, Woonsocket. How do, your memory is crazy. <laughs> Well, but there's, we have a real marker. There's no way I was going to forget this because we were out east visiting relatives and my grandma wanted to go visit her cousin Sig and her husband Sig, Sig and Sig. They were Sigrid and Sigurd. They were Sig and Sig. She had to go see Sig and Sig. And it must have been obvious that we were so effing bored that eventually a plan is hatched that we need to go do something. We're going to leave my grandma with Sig and Sig and we're going to go do something. So Sig says, Sigurd says... There's a movie theater just down the highway. So we get the phone book out and we call the movie theater and they're playing E.T. This is awesome. So, but we don't know how to get to the movie theater. So Sig, Sigurd, (laughs) says, I'll drive and you can follow me. So Sigurd is old and his glasses are about an inch thick and it was not enough. And (laughs) That was a hellscape. We, our whole family is scarred by this drive to the movie theater. He, it was like he didn't see any of the cars on the highway. It was like he was the only one on the highway. And we're all like, oh, damn, what? Oh, Gordy, Gordy, watch out, watch out. So when he says he'll come back to get us, we're like, nope, we'll just, we'll buy a map. We'll just buy a map. But E.T. was magical. For all of us, again, ages 4 to 14, the whole family was just totally enraptured with this movie. And I think it was my sister's first movie. I think it was the first one she ever saw. And that's the summer of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which (sighs) left a mark on me for sure. I mean, I I was... I loved that movie. It was so scandalous and so many grown-up issues um, that it was, it felt, I felt like it was wrong to watch it, but it was one of those <laughs> movies that we all felt like we were getting away with something by I watching did. it. That's true. That's another yeah. good rewatch, but um, that movie, that movie left a mark on me for sure. Yes, for oh. sure. Well, let's see if any did from 1983. We've, we got Trading Places, Return of the Jedi, Superman 3, National Lampoon's Vacation. Which could be the most iconic summer movie of all time. Oh, so Let's good. just talk about it. It's not and road just, trip movie that we just and mentioned road trip last, movie. Yes. last week. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. I mean, it was about summer. It was a totally relatable thing that everybody had experienced. They, everybody has a love-hate relationship with the cross-country road trip. And there are scenes from this movie that we in my family still act out or lines that we say today, both my family of origin and the family that I made. When Liam's feet smell, we all go, Russ, Russ, your feet, your feet, Russ, your feet. When something happens and we don't know what the cause is, we say, I know what happened. It didn't come in. (laughs) I don't know if I have to explain any of this or people just know. When someone orders food in a restaurant that looks a little too healthy, they say, what, no meat in this? (laughs) And somebody will always say, you get plenty of meat at home. 100% of the time. And we live in a place where we cross the Mississippi River all the time. Mm-hmm. We, If you are going from Minneapolis to St. Paul, you are going to cross the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. It could be every single day. And when you do, someone in the car is going to go, deep river. <laughs> 
Oh, well, every time we crossed, time. yeah, one hundred percent of the time when our kids were little, Brian would always just say, "See that, kids? That's the Mississippi, mighty mess, old, <laughs> old man, man. <laughs> the old man, old man river." Yeah, we still do it. Deep river. I once paid Liam twenty dollars to to wrap. I'm serious, because this is how important it was to me, to wrap a shirt around his head and run aimlessly in the desert of Joshua Tree National Park so I could get a picture. And I was like, will you please take off your watch and throw it? And he was like, no, that's 25 bucks. (laughs) And I was like, fine, you don't have to throw your watch. You don't have to throw your watch. This movie will live on in my family forever. And here are a few fun facts about it. So Michael Anthony Hall was going through full-on puberty during the Mm -hmm. filming of this movie, and he grew three inches during the filming. Yeah. So he looks dramatically different from the beginning of the movie to the end. And again, once you know that, you can't unsee it. And the gas station scene where Chevy Chase is looking for the gas cap Mm -hmm. and he's pulling, he finally just starts pulling on the license plate and he pulls it off and it goes flying. Not only was that unscripted, Mm -hmm. it was accidental. So when he throws the license plate that was by accident and when he the look on his face is like oh shit he's really concerned he's going to hit the woman behind him like that extra that they're paying (laughs) 20 bucks an hour right anthony michaels hall's voice also drops by the end of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah well in 1984 we had some real classics we got indiana jones and the temple of doom star trek 3 the search for spock ghostbusters gremlins the karate kid the muppets take manhattan revenge of the nerds and purple rain. Purple rain. Purple rain. Purple rain. Yeah, nineteen eighty four is definitely going to be when I'm starting to come into all these summer movies. As almost everything you read, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Not a lot on that list because a lot of them are the genre of movies I don't see. But one that you mentioned that. I was all about was The Karate Kid. And that had everything to do with just the romance of that movie. And, you know, I'm 15 years old. I'm deeply into that teen romance. And, I mean, so what's more romantic, basically, than the very cute, you know, underdog literally fighting the bully Mm -hmm. for the girl, pretty much. So I that movie holds a special place in my heart, for sure. And, of course, I've kept watching it. What? I've never seen Karate Kid. Oh, it's so good. Can you believe it? So good. And it was at the Anoka Theater forever, and somehow I missed it. Um, Well, 1984 was a big year for me, too, especially with two of the movies on the list that you mentioned, and that is Ghostbusters and Purple Rain. And the two of these movies are related in my mind, and I will explain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please do. So, to be 16 in Minneapolis in 1984 when Purple Rain is released, is hard to describe. It it was electric. It felt like the movie was personal. And this is how this is how it's related to Ghostbuster. So Ghostbusters. In the summer of 1984, I inadvertently, accidentally found myself dating two people at the same time. I don't know exactly how it happened. Um, and I didn't mean for it to happen. And so Mm -hmm. the first date that I had with one of these people was Ghostbusters. And he grabbed my hand and we were holding hands, which I was very uncomfortable with because I hardly knew this guy at this point. And I, I think that holding hands is very intimate. And so I was like, oh, God, what do I do? The other person I was dating was somebody that I had broken up with and had come back. And I just couldn't seem to manage this very well. And it was really 
torturous. And when I went to see Purple Rain, there's a scene in the movie where he's singing a song called The Beautiful Ones on stage, and it's really quite excruciating. It's a super emotional song. And there's a part in the song where he says, he just screams, do you want him or do you want me? Because I want you. And when he's singing this, Prince is looking right at me. We're making eye contact. I think that we're having a personal conversation and he's shaming me and destroying me. And I am crying and crying and crying. And still to this day, when that song comes on, I get down on my knees because I, I, it was the first time I realized that I was being an asshole. I was hurting people. And it was Prince who made me feel that and know that. And I swear to God, you guys, there's there. It's like the ghost of Prince can speak to me right now through that song. It's still visceral. It still makes me feel. Do you want me? Well, now we're moving on to 85, and we've got A View to a Kill, Fletch, Back to the Future, The Goonies, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Follow That Bird, Weird Science, Teen Wolf, St. Elmo's Fire. What is Follow That Bird? I want to talk about Follow That Bird, <laughs> oh, because okay, that good. movie like, left such that? an impact. I'm just kidding. It's oh. a Sesame Street movie. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. That's why I didn't see it. I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Back to the Future just obviously left a mark. And I mean, I was who didn't love Michael J. Fox, right? And to see him him. make that leap from um, Family Ties to the big screen. And this was kind of the summer of um, Michael J. Fox because he also had Teen Wolf out on the big screen. That one went under my radar. Yeah. Because of maybe because of Back to the Future. Yeah, I didn't want to see him turn hairy and stuff. I no. just that was not <laughs> no, something I wanted to see. Oh, but Back to the Future. I mean, that's nostalgic in and of itself. Just the whole premise yes. of that movie. Um, but gosh, did I love that! And oh, Same, I yeah. cried, and I loved it. You're mm-hmm. my density. It's oh. just, oh, it's just, just it, that whole movie is magic. Mm-hmm. It really is. Loved it. I will just say that St. Elmo's Fire put that Brat Pack um, really oh, yeah. in my um, mind. I mean, mm-hmm. we did have Breakfast Club, but now we've got Rob Lowe in the pack. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm gone for the Brat Pack. It was pack so now. adult. St. Elmo's Fire was, was so exciting for I me know. because I loved so many of them. And there I had such a crush on Andrew McCarthy. But they were all adults in that movie. And that's that's where it was different than the Breakfast Club or the Pretty and Pinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were grown up and it was kind of cool to aspire to have those friends and live in the city. Well, let's rock on into 1986. (laughs) We've got Alien, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wait, Aliens. That's a big difference. Yeah. Okay, what is Aliens? It's the sequel to Alien. It's the worst sequel title ever. It's really bad. I I didn't even know that. I'm today years old when I just knew that. Aliens. Uh, Okay, Aliens. (laughs) Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Top Gun, Stand By Me, The Fly, Labyrinth. Help me, Labyrinth. 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 Mm-hmm. Flight of the Navigator, Howard the Duck, Transformers the movie, and About Last Night. And Oh, uh, I loved that, that one. That's a great one, too. That's Rob the Lowe one. Again. I just rewatched oh, I that a couple it. months ago. That was and the that blueprint. Soundtrack is so the good. soundtrack, yes. Sheena Easton, so fun. Oh, 
Oh, I had it on a cassette. Me too. <laughs> so did I. And, and after I rewatched it a couple of months ago or a few months ago, I put that song on like four playlists and I love it. Oh, I love that movie. Truly, it informed what my life after college was going to be. I was That's a sexy sure. movie too. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I didn't realize it when I watched it the first time, but watching it again a few months ago, yep. my husband and I were like, whoa, whoa. You don't feel like you have to look away anymore though. Right. Oh, and that's the truth. But that was going to be my life. I don't know about the sex part, but I was definitely going to have this cool group of friends. I was going to live by Lake Michigan. Yep. I was going to play softball. I was going to have you know meet people at bars, have Go a to cool Mother job. Tuckers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was what yeah. I aspired to. So that was um, a big deal for me. Now, Top Gun, I've already shared a lot of my feelings about that in um, our host chat. But I do want to say that for months and months, I aspired to have my hair look like Kelly McGillis. Oh, I wanted yes, Kelly sure. McGillis hair. I that had was inspirational hair. Oh, and boy, did I invest in that Aussie scrunch spray. I mean, I was <laughs> really, I mean, I can still mm-hmm. feel myself trying to get it- that Perfect kinky triangle. But remember how sticky your hands were. Oh gosh, sticky. and the smell. Smell like talk about iconic. Yes, oh, iconic I love smell. That smell. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. my. That's the smell of my dorm. So that much was, so, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that probably I can't let was. 1986 go by without just mentioning and giving a huge shout out to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm not going to mm-hmm. go into it. We all know why it's fantastic. We all right. know why we loved it. Um, we all know why it's iconic. But that movie definitely is one that I think for all of us is unforgettable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, it was. Um, another iconic one. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're going to move to 1987 where we've got Beverly Hills Cop 2, Ernest. 87 Ghost. rules. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll let you just because why? The movie? that's 87. No, she no, you graduated. You know, when you, gra- every time when it was your oh. graduation year, everything was like 87 <laughs> rules. Sorry. 86 rules. 87 rules. 87 rules. 88 rules. Yeah, no, we didn't say that. In Every time someone says eighty-seven or nineteen eighty-seven, I can't let it go by without saying. Okay, well, I graduated rules. from college in eighty-seven, so um, okay. So it rules when we see <laughs> Predator and Spaceballs and Full Metal Jacket and Revenge of the Nerds too, and RoboCop and Summer School and La Bamba and Masters of the Universe and Back to the Beach. Who's that girl? And the iconic Dirty Dancing. Okay, and you forgot. You forgot Lost Boys. Carolyn. Oh, I sure did. This was a I? big one for Amy Mahoney. She's one of our commenters. And Amy said, you guys, this is a good story. Buckle up. It's, it's more than a comment. It's a story. And I'm going to read you the whole thing, but it's good. Okay, so Amy says, in the summer of 1987, my friends and I hopped into my red 1968 VW Bug and drove to the Hickory Ridge Mall in Memphis, Tennessee to see the Lost Boys. We were all so excited, and it did not disappoint. Big hair, great music, Sam's dog, Nanook, and vampires. I secretly wanted to be star, minus the whole needing to drink blood scenario. <laughs> it had everything we wanted in a scary movie. Maybe too much, even. Right out of the gate, a couple was killed by the vampires while they were reading comic books in their VW bug. We went to the last showing of the day, so when the movie let out, the mall was already closed. The parking lot was practically empty and dark. Very dark. None of us wanted to admit it, but the long walk across the dark parking lot was a bit scary. We may or may not have been on the lookout for vampires with every step. Once we were safely in the car, with doors locked and windows rolled up, I tried to start the car so we could honestly get the hell out of there. Only it didn't start. I tried again. Nothing. We were stranded. Helpless vampire bait. At a mall. 
at a mall. Oh, Being 1987, we had no cell phones. The only way we could call for help was to walk back across that empty, dark, vampire-filled parking lot to use a payphone <laughs> outside of the mall. We did get help. We did all survive. But to this day, we all love that movie, not only because it's vampire perfection, but because of the memories surrounding it and how we were almost all killed by vampires that summer night in 1987. Uh, God, oh it's such a good story. My favorite, I remember when I read that saying vampire bait just stuck out. That was so funny. <laughs> we were stuck there. Vampire bait. Amy, we love that story. Oh, totally. Great story. That's so great. Well, for sure, the summer blockbuster that had and has had the most, that has had the most impact on me is Dirty Dancing. And Kristen, oh, yeah. like you said earlier, that you have crush-like feelings on a movie. I had crush-like feelings on Dirty Dancing. I know this is one that I can remember. I saw it in Scottsdale, Arizona. I had graduated in like June. So I'm 18 years old and I'm like 95% positive it was with my best friend, Lisa, but we were shook. We were instantly obsessed. Um, with Baby, with Johnny, the setting, the wardrobe, the soundtrack, the dancing. And I mean, it w- when you're 18 years old and you feel like you're kind of awkward, out of place, uh, and never really had a real boyfriend, um, and you see Patrick Swayze, who's this older, sexier man, who can fall in love with this awkward, quirky, kind of out of place girl, um, that leaves a mark. And it was just... You know, we were all about the dance anyway. Um, we, my friend Lisa and I were dance, were dancers. And so that part was exciting. I, I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't get enough of that. I must have worn out my cassette tape and it was just, it was, it was thrilling. It was, I feel like 18 years old was the perfect age, um, for this movie. But what I feel like is really funny is now if I come across that movie and I own it like in all forms, but I don't bother to watch it if I come across it. And I think it was honestly because I oversaturated myself with it oh. in 1987 and 1988. So yep. I know that movie by heart. The same with Pretty in Pink. I know these movies so much by heart that I really don't choose to watch them. Um, the soundtrack, however, I will listen to all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome much goodness soundtrack. in that movie. Yeah. That is a movie that is in my top movies of like the most important movies I think in my life. I think I've grown to love that more as time goes on. I think I was strangely indifferent to it when it came out, and now I adore it. Mm. All righty. So 1988, we've got a few sequels that come to us this year. We've got Young Guns, Crocodile Dundee 2, Rambo 3, Big, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, Short Circuit 2, Cocktail, Die Hard, A Fish Called Wanda, Big Top Pee Wee, Caddyshack 2, and Mac and Me. That is a long list. It's a great list, too. And these are, like I said before, we're all now coming into all my summers, right? So, Big, obviously, I Mm -hmm. mean, gosh, that is a movie that holds up, too. The only thing I will say about Big, you guys, that I can never in my whole life get over I love, love, love this movie, but to this day, the part where he sleeps with Susan Elizabeth Perkins, no. No, he's 12. I don't care that his body looks big. He's a 12-year-old boy inside, and he has sex with um, Elizabeth Perkins. But he has a man's penis. It's disgusting, though. He's a 12. And he has a man endocrine system. But he's a 12-year-old boy. Um, But I wanted to just mention, um, shout out to Cocktail, because that was the first movie I saw with my now husband. We weren't even dating yet. We were kind of in that flirty stage. Um, All right, you guys, we're going to move on to 1989. We have Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Dead Poet Society, No Holds Barred, Batman, Ghostbuster 2, 
Honey, I shrunk the kids. I love that movie. I love it. Weekend at Bernie's, The Karate Kid Part 3. License to Kill, Turner and Hooch, Parenthood, Uncle Buck. I know I'm missing some because it got chopped off. That's all right. It doesn't matter. I feel like I saw most of those. I want to share this memory that one of our followers, Laura, shared on Facebook because I thought it was really special. She said she was raised by a single mom and money was tight. They didn't really go on vacations very often. So she remembers this particular week where they went and saw three movies, Indiana Jones, Batman, Dead Poet Society. And she said it was such a big deal because her mom didn't even really like going to the movie theater. But that is one of her favorite memories of all time. That's so sweet. Isn't that so sweet? sweet. So that 1989 summer Mm -hmm. um, of movies made a real impact on Lara. Oh, yeah. Well, and I got, you know, you can't can't read that list without just giving a shout out to Dead Poet Society. Thank you, Lara. Mm -hmm. When Harry Met Sally, obviously, and Parenthood, classic, the OG. Yes. This conversation has been really... Very inspiring for me, you guys, because it makes me so appreciative for those experiences that I had, but it also makes me really appreciative of the fact that I'm vaxxed and boosted and most of the people around me are vaxxed and boosted so that we can go to the theater Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. I really, I really, really miss that, especially in the summertime. But you know what might be an even better idea For you listeners, I'm talking to you. I think you should plan a summer blockbuster film festival with your families or with your friends. Do it in the garage or do it in the backyard. And on the last night, you show Jaws. Great idea. Don't you, you get, think that's a yes. good idea? Yes. I can't mm-hmm. wait to come over, Kristen. Just let us know, I know. that All right. okay. you're going to be And she backyard. was saying that, Carolyn. I was saying this, thinking the same thing. Like, well, I guess we're going to Kristen's house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the candy. If she there thinks this go. is such a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How good is it? Do it, listeners. Do it. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yes. Please join us next time. We've got lots of fun things to share on this nostalgic roller coaster that we're on, and we look forward to doing that with you. And we want to thank all of you for still being with us on this episode and listening. (laughs) If you have made it to the end of of our entire summer blockbuster movie anthology, thank you. But also thank you so much for your support, for sharing our podcast with others, and by clicking those stars and leaving a nice review. We say it all the time, but honestly, It's important. We go back, we read the reviews on Apple Podcasts from time to time to boost our confidence and to remind ourselves that people are loving our silly conversations and that they're more meaningful than we sometimes realize. You guys, they like us. They really like us. They really like us. (laughs) And to those of you who take your support to the next level on Patreon, a huge thank you. Honestly, you guys are what is quite literally keeping us trucking and keeping us talking. And today we're giving a special shout out to some of our newest patrons, Carmi, Jen, Ashley, and Colleen. Thank you all so much. And if you'd like to explore our Patreon page and see all the fun, exclusive perks our patrons get, just go to patreon.com, R-E-O-N.com and type our name up in the search bubble, or you can find links on our social media and in the show notes. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the cast of Three's Company. Two good times. Two happy days. Two little house on the prairie. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> 
The information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to Carolyn, the Crushologist, and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, there is always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We had a dream, we thought traveling together, spread a little love, and it will keep moving on.